0: Hey there, podcast listeners. Thanks for tuning in today. Today's topic is, if God is good, why is there evil? And I talked about this one with a group of fighter pilots that I mentor. I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. And don't forget, if you want to check this out online so you can talk about it with a group or mentor, go to PursueGod.org, type in if God is good in the search bar, and you'll find this one. Enjoy. (music) All right, well, tonight's topic is if God is good, why is there evil um, before we we get into this? This was a pretty intense video i th- I had to watch I don't know about you guys I had to watch it a couple times um, just to follow the the argument um, has has anyone before we get into it has anyone actually experienced this question like in the military? Has anyone actually said this to you before? have you ever had have you ever had to
1: answer this question Yeah, so uh, you know I've had guys
2: ask it to me from an intellectual standpoint um, more just sort of as a trip up kind of question, but then also from you know people who were just kind of curious uh and then knew as a christian when it happened we were over in turkey doing the syria gig and obviously you're looking down at this country that has been completely bombed to crap uh and it essentially mm-hmm. seems like a godless nation and and so somebody asked me a similar question to this like how in the world can you believe in god doing what <laughs> you know we're just dropping tons of bombs all over the place and Hmm. hopefully I didn't screw it up but I'm pretty sure a couple of my bombs have fallen on civilians so uh, how can you explain that so yeah I have been asked it
0: yeah is that do you think that this is a little bit of a different conversation in the military than for uh, a civilian like me
2: I don't think so I think maybe we just see a little bit more but usually when people bring up this argument it's about more of a personal thing like their kid has some kind of a medical thing, or they had a loved one who died, uh, Mm -hmm. kind of a horrific death from cancer or something like that. At least typically that's where I've seen the question be asked, but maybe it's just because we see more people suffering just in a general sense, maybe. Mm -hmm.
0: Anyone else want to weigh in on that? Do you think it's you know, for any for anyone in the military, really in general, I, I just wonder if this is more, like like you said, Alex, because pe- because you're faced with death more more so than a typical American would be. I just wonder if this is if, if this might be more of a barrier,
1: um, f- f- to faith.
3: I wonder you know I haven't heard it much in with people in the military, but I wonder if folks again that you know we're kind of above it all, and we see the mm. we see the destruction from you know twenty thousand feet. Mm-hmm. but you don't really I mean I haven't personally, I don't know about the other guys on here. I haven't seen the human cost as much. you know you see big explosions go off when you drop bombs, but you don't you don't necessarily see the carnage. Um, you you might but but you know other components of the military where they're more up close and personal like the marines or the army they you know i wonder if they they see it you know vividly Mm -hmm. and they might have a different perspective
2: i was gonna say the same thing then
3: you were chill
4: yeah yeah i mean that's what i was thinking i think this question uh I haven't seen it any more in the Air Force than I have in regular life. Yeah, I've never had it asked to me specifically, like Leroy. But <clears throat> it's a very common question, right? When people start talking about religion.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, my stepdad has said this to me. He's he's not a believer, and been praying for him for a while. But hmm. he's it, not in, in exactly that way, but. More or less saying, how can there be a God when the world's so screwed up? So I want to
0: I want to see if we kind of together as a team can put together what what this video is explaining. Can can someone kind of get us started? What what's the argument here in this video? Like I said, it took me a couple times. I I had to watch it a couple times, really kind of think about it and break it down logically. Um, so let's let's try to put it in our own words and then I actually want to hit some of these questions
1: because I thought I thought they were really good. I guess I can take that.
2: Uh you know, just going through philosophy class or whatever standard stuff they make you take in college, you go through the logical proofs sort of exercise of mm-hmm. A plus B equals C and well, does A plus B equal D if C is this? So it's essentially trying to like lead you from one to the next. Mm -hmm. And I think the point of the video is that the argument or logical proof that that philosopher used is incomplete because it makes assumptions that are hidden behind the proofs. Mm -hmm. So if you just look at the four proofs that he lays out, you're like, yeah, this is, there's no way God could exist, but there's so many assumptions behind each one of the proofs that are not explained. Um, So he lays out four, right? If God can prevent evil, but, isn't able, then obviously he's not God, because he's not all powerful. If God is able to prevent evil, but he's not willing, then how could you say that he's a God that actually cares about you, and, and then therefore he is not God? If God is able to do it, and yet evil is still there, how could you describe him as being God? And then if he can't do it, and he doesn't care, then are, you know, who is he? Mm -hmm. But it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, it just like stops at like, these are the only options there are. There's only A, B, C, and D, but in reality, there's tons of assumptions behind all of those.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it's putting, it's pitting, it's pitting two characteristics. What are the two
1: characteristics of God that are on the table in the, in this whole argument? Willing and able? Yeah, or or power, powerful and
0: good, right? Which is the same thing as willing and able. So, and, and it's interesting because if we get to that conversation on Calvinism, I think we have some of the same questions. It's we're talking about his sovereignty, or his his, you know, um, omnipotence on one side,
1: or his goodness, you know, his mercy, his goodness. On the other side. So, I want to hit a couple of these
0: questions because I thought that I thought it was I thought these questions were in were particularly good. Maybe it was just because this was kind of a harder one to understand, and I was trying to dig into what what questions would I ask if I was talking through this with somebody. And some of these questions are good for even, I think, for us to think about if we're trying to help someone, a seeker, answer these questions. Question two is, have you struggled with belief in God due to evil and suffering, either in your own life or in the world at large? Explain. Has anyone struggled with that? Has anyone had like a crisis of faith
1: because of evil and suffering in the world?
3: I wouldn't say I've had, I've never doubted, you know, that that's not caused me to doubt um, my faith at all. But depending on the the topic and the tragedy you're discussing, sometimes, you know, like I said, my dad's mentioned it. And I don't remember the context where that came up. And I I, I think I'm better prepared now. This is a long time ago. Better, (coughs) excuse me, prepared now to answer that question. But Sometimes you're like, well, I don't know. I don't have a good answer for you, mm. you know, and you know, it's it's tough to when you do see some some really horrible things happen to kids or whatever, you know. It's it's tough to you know, say that God's all loving and all powerful when when stuff like that happens.
0: And by the way, on that note, would you would you even bring up the logical argument in that scenario?
3: I was thinking in today's day and age that that sort of you know logic uh, thought process isn't isn't terribly applicable, maybe in an academic setting, but just to the guy on the street, I don't think they think that way. hmm maybe I'm wrong, but
0: that's what I was thinking too. and I, yeah. even though this was really good to to study, I thought mo- you know ninety nine percent of the people that I talked to. I don't know. I'm not sure that I would try to get logical on them. You know? yeah. I'm not sure that that's the barrier
3: for them. You know, this is a little bit off topic, Brian, but this is the first time i would experienced this. So we're walking around um, beginning of this week down. We live in Auburn, Alabama, and, you know, it's a big university town. And, mm-hmm. and there's, there's a couple of guys on the street corner and they've got, you know, this, this guy's got a hat on with a cross and mm-hmm. they've got these big signs and there were these flat earth people Mm. and they, you know, this guy, it was kind of like going on, you know, he's yelling and, and, you know, kind of preaching on the corner kind of thing, but he was just talking so fast and, and, and using this, this, these kind of arguments about logic and and everything, trying to say that the world was flat yet somehow saying that the Bible says that. And I, I, I just looked at him and, you know we're actually literally we pressed the button across the street and uh and he was just you know just just assaulting us verbally with all this i mean it was Mm -hmm. it was very poor approach to (laughs) whatever he was trying to do but but my point is he was uh he was trying to use logic to try to make his point but it was just ridiculous
0: but it wasn't logical
3: it wasn't no and, and and after I crossed the street, I kind of thought about some stuff. And I almost turned around and went back, but I said, forget it. <laughs> well,
0: it's no, I think that is on the point because I think even talking about this and anyone listening to this should remember, you kind of have to read your audience, you know? And, you know, I do a lot of funerals and I, not one, I don't think one time have I, have I used any of these explanations in that kind of context, you know, in, in active suffering context. I think that's, that's a context where you just want to love, you know, Ecclesiastes says there's a time for tears and mourning. And I think that's just a time for tears and, you know, they, they don't, right. I don't think they're going to want to hear answers in the midst of their suffering.
3: Right. And I think it's okay not to know the answers too, right? We're not, you know, we're mm-hmm. not omniscient as humans, we're not God. Mm-hmm. I trust that he is all powerful and he's all knowing and he's he's got our best interest in mind as a you know, in terms of humanity, but
5: mm.
3: or at least believers. Um but uh yeah, I don't I don't ever claim to know all the answers or have all the answers.
0: So we're but I I still think it's good there is gonna be a context for having this debate. What would that context be?
2: Well I think you have two of them so the 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 highly logical guy who i honestly think is the guy in the squadron who is mm-hmm. trying to either trip you up or legitimately has the question and then the other one is you've got somebody who is dealing with a horrible time in their life and they're going how in the world can you believe in a god when my mom is has alzheimer's how can you believe in a god when my son just died mm-hmm. So, those are the two situations. And, like, just like you're saying, like, one is a logic train and one is a come beside them and love them train. But Mm -hmm. in the end, you're probably still going to have to get to the concept of free will in some respect or the greater good
1: in some respect.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And I would imagine in the squadron, there are going to be times when you're going to run across guys who, are pretty sharp and kind of want to debate this. Maybe they're skeptics, agnostics, and, yep. and you're, you're kind of talking in your ivory towers. I think that's a good place for this kind of a conversation, you know?
2: Yeah, so the time that I got cornered was actually in a, in a squadron bar. A uh, very smart dude came up, uh, you know, and he, he sort of likes, I mean, like we're friends, um, but he likes to go read a book and then just talk to me and see what I have to say just for Mm. fun. It's always, it's sort of arguing for sport. And, uh, anyway, so his, his, you know, initial point on this is, okay, explain to me how there can be suffering. Um, so I, you know, I went with the greater good concept and I went with the free will concept. So the way that he refuted the greater good concepts is he said, um, So if you consider your God omniscient and omnipotent, don't you think that there's a way that he could have found to give people free will while limiting some of the, the more extreme cases of suffering? Like, okay, one person has free will. So he kills another person. Let's call that like the minor case of suffering. But when we're talking about Ebola or hurricane, um, Michael or whatever that just destroys on this massive scale that really has nothing to do with Mm. free will. If you have an omniscient God and an omnipotent God, don't you think he could have found a way to mitigate these things that have Mm. nothing to do with free will? Um, And then the way that he sort of refuted the, um, the uh, argument on the other side is okay. So you had, the angels who technically do or do not have free will, hard to, hard to really tease that out in the Bible necessarily. But the whole reason the devil is there is because he made a choice. And then of course the devil caused sin and, and, and then we get on down this line. So why couldn't your God have just prevented the devil from happening? If that's the whole crux of your doctrine argument, why couldn't he have just stopped it right there? Hmm. So that, the, I mean, those were fairly logical counter arguments that were not super easy to just
0: discount. So, okay, so that's good. How did you answer the first one, the the natural disasters one?
2: So, I, you know, I went to, I'm like, you cannot pretend to know, which to a guy who doesn't believe in God, can seem like a cop out, right? So like, you are not omniscient. You don't know what that hurricane may have done X, Y, or Z. You don't know the natural sort of processes of the earth like what is that hurricane doing that because of decisions that have been made and or just the way life is designed to exist you know there are things like a fire for instance what is the hurricane doing like new orleans should not exist in any way shape or form like it's a city that we kind of made out of nowhere you know and like that process of the hurricane and what the barrier islands do and like it's a very natural process that Mm. we have inserted ourselves into, uh, you know, so I kind of went down that line of like, you can't understand the bigger picture. Like we, it is impossible for us as humans to understand the bigger picture, but I didn't have a better answer than that.
0: Does anyone else, has anyone else had to answer that one? Does anyone have a better answer before I give my insight? So one of, one of the things, well, there's two things I would say about that. One is an, a biblical argument, if, if that's what they're looking for. And the other one is, a, is an emotional argument. And the biblical argument is that natural disasters are actually a result of the fallen world. So biblically, in this Romans, I was trying to look it up, but I, I didn't have time. Romans, uh, I think one or two, it talks about, that the world is fallen, right, because of sinners. So sin, when sin entered the world, the, the world was broken. So, you know, I don't know, if, I don't know that that necessarily speaks to someone who doesn't believe in the Bible, but theologically that's the answer. That's one of the strongest answers I would give, is that if, if man hadn't sinned in the first place and chosen to rebel against God, then the world wouldn't be broken. So, the, you know, the ground was cursed, right, when Adam, when Adam and Eve sinned. So that would be my biblical response. My emotional response would be, <laughs> to someone like that, would, would be, yeah, that's it breaks my heart when I see natural disasters. Here's what I've done about it. Here's what my church has done about it. Here's what the Christian church has done about it. What have you done about it? Because usually secular people don't... They, they might talk about that, but they don't actually lift a finger to help. And uh, so on an emotional level, I think that's, a, that's proof positive for God's people doing good in the world, which we do.
1: Any thoughts or questions about those two responses?
2: What do you think about the, the devil one? so preventing the existence of sin before it starts?
0: Well again, biblically, I would go to James chapter, I think it's chapter one, where, it's, where it talks about the root of sin, and it's actually temptation, but it's our own choice. It's, our own, it's not the devil's fault. And so, you know, I, I, would, I, I don't pin that on the devil. I You know, I pin sin on human beings. You know, we, we made a choice to rebel against God. We made a choice to go the other way. I mean, that's, that was my first instinct when you said that. It was that James, I think it's James chapter one, you can look it up. But that's a, good, that's a good passage for anyone who tries to shift the blame for their own poor choices on Satan or on demons or devils or whatever. It's like, no, James answers that pretty clearly. You know, we, we sin when we make our own choices and we and it and it entices us and it leads us down the wrong path i'm sure there are some smarter answers to those things but that's what i would that's what i would say I, as a general rule i don't engage i don't i try not to engage people in um like sideways energy when it comes to that because i think a lot of times most at least the people i debate with now maybe there are more pure hearted people out there than the ones that I run into. But the, runs that, the ones that I run into have, have pretty much made their minds up and they're just trying to trap. It's like the Pharisees in, the, in, in Jesus's day. They're just trying to trap him, you know. And Jesus didn't a lot of times dignify their questions. You know, a lot of times he, he went to the deeper
1: root of their question in his answers. And I think that's a good tactic for us to use also. Let's go to this one here, John 10, 17, question three. It says
0: this, John 10, verses 17, 18. The Father loves me because I sacrifice my life so I may take it back up again. This is Jesus speaking. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. For I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also to take it up again. For this is what my Father has commanded. And the question is, how does this verse prove that an all-loving God you know, God the Father, does at times ordain that suffering must occur to achieve a greater good, right? It's This is kind of addressing that second objection. Uh, The second objection was, if God is all loving, then he prefers a world without suffering. Or the second assumption, sorry. So this is one of the two hidden assumptions from the video that if God is all loving, he prefers a world without suffering. And the video said, well, no, that's that's actually, that's not necessarily true. So how does that
1: verse prove that? I think it's... Uh... It's
2: John three sixteen is the explanation. So hmm. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I mean, there's obviously a ton of suffering that Jesus went through, but you know, it's also saying that Jesus did that willingly. So there was Jesus' love for the world and the path back to salvation for a new contract. There was God's love for the world and a path back to you know,
1: salvation, the sacrifice his only son, but, and there's a ton of pain involved from here to there. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. Question four, what are some reasons you think God might allow suffering?
3: I think it can change. I mean it can change people's perspective on life and and draw them closer to God, you know, when they hit rock bottom. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I've seen it, I've experienced it in my own life and Mm. I've seen it in others where, you know, uh, you guys ever heard of Charlotte Gamble? She's a, I think she's English, maybe, maybe Australian, I forget, but she's a, she goes around, you know, speaking at big, Christian venue is really, really great speaker, but she was at our church one time and said, uh, she said, you know, if you go from mountaintop to mountaintop, you know, everything's great all the time. You're kind of skipping from mountaintop to mountaintop. It's great. But, but when you're in the Valley, things are bad, but fruit doesn't grow on mountaintops, but it grows in the valleys. Mm. That's and good. Uh, You know, meaning to experience, to, to For your life to bear fruit, sometimes you have to experience some hardship and, mm-hmm. and be down there in the valley to then come out of it and have a story to tell and, and you know, and, and uh, see what God did in your life. Have a, maybe even have a compelling testimony to, to be more convincing.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: <clears throat> yeah, I think that's good. I think, you know, being able to share from personal experience, because people can't refute that. Yeah. You know, they... They, you're just sharing your own personal experience. Like here's how God used suffering in my life. Right. You know, he allowed it into my life for a greater good. So just because suffering was in the picture doesn't mean God isn't loving.
2: Mm-hmm. I I think Brian people too, you know, so there are lots of people who have gone through these significant, huge events, some crazy disease, loss of a child, all that kind of stuff. Like when we say suffering, a lot of it is just, you know discomfort in a way like not but I I, all the times that I have gotten better has has been because of like some event sort of forced me that way I guess it wasn't just you know I'm not the not that great at just like knowing I need to go do something like usually something happens in my life I'm like oh I need to re-prioritize do whatever Mm -hmm. most of these guys know uh, when I was at Hill I dropped this super errant bomb and it came with some somewhat harsh consequences. And I sort of fell off the air force path of where I was going. And my entire identity at that time was being a fighter pilot. I was 26 years old and could really have cared about not much else. I mean, to Mm -hmm. include my new wife at the time and and my Christian faith, like that was the way I defined myself. And all of a sudden you drop this Aaron bomb and that path kind of starts to get a little fuzzier, or a little grayer and it makes you completely re- reprioritize your life. So was that suffering? I don't know. It was discomfort at the time, but it had mm-hmm. a huge, huge effect for what I started to define myself
1: as, you know?
4: Hey, Hey, Brian, can you, uh, can you guys hear me? Okay. Yep. Okay, cool. I was having some microphone issues in my computer. Um, chill and and Alex and Leroy um, probably know this. We there was a sermon in our church about a year ago um, that that at, that pretty much went over this question. And uh, the title of the sermon was "How can a good God allow such uh, so much pain and suffering?" Mm. And uh, I went back and, and watched it, and it was about forty five minutes. Well worth well worth it. In fact, I watched it and then emailed the link out to um, a buddy of mine that actually had a discussion about this today. Mm. It's a 45-minute-long uh, sermon, and I'll I'll do my best to summarize it in about a minute or less here. But um, the what he starts off what he starts off saying is it's uh, it's actually uh, Waldron. He's the um, teaching pastor at CCD. Um, what he starts off with is the supreme ethic that describes God in our deepest desires in life is love, because He creates you in the image of Him out of out of love. And then he goes on to say, you know, uh, you know quotes, you know, some, some passages here, which I have written down, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Mm-hmm. And then he goes on a little bit deeper and says, okay, so if, 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 if God is love, then then kind of relate that to some, some things in your life that, uh, that relate. So, you know, the birth of your child, your, your wife, spouse, or whatever, it's love is love is an inherent risk and in order that it's a, it is a love is a choice and, a, and it has to be. And he used, um, he used, uh, Alexa, that, uh, robot as an example, kind of an analogy. You can program a robot to say, yes, I love you. So if I say, Hey, Alexa, um, do you love me? She'll come back and say whatever you programmed for her to say, yes, I love you. But that doesn't really, that isn't really, um, get a point or uh, get across the point of, of what love really is because love is an, is a, is a choice. And what it goes on to say from there is if, if, if love, it, you, it has to be a choice in order for it to be love, which in that case is freedom, the ability to choose. Uh, and it's the free will you can accept or reject. So like when you take your oath uh, with your wife at the altar it's for better or for worse, it's a, it's a, a it's an objective choice. And the other verse he mentioned, Genesis 2.16, says, And the Lord commanded uh, the man, you are free, underline that, to eat from any tree in the garden, which kind of implies that, that freedom, that free free will. You have to in, order to, in order to have the freedom to love, then there has to be suffering, there, there, there by de facto has to be suffering um, on the result, on the back end of that so you know god's gift of free will as a choice results in a, in a world of both goodness and pain and that's that's kind of the i mean obviously I, it, the, it goes much much deeper than that but that was kind of how he he went and uh, went through that and it made it made sense to me but it also you know it was a 45 minute sermon and in the last 2 minutes i probably just confused you guys more than anything but
0: no i think that's good i think that lines up with these two hidden assumptions you know, that, that this video is asserting, asserting to be untrue, right? That an all powerful God can create any kind of world he wants. And what, what he can't create, this, this is to your point, Deuce is he can't create a world where we're free to make good choices all the time. Right. The kind of, the point is if he, if he allows us freedom of choice, then that's, Inherently going to include some poor choices, right? I mean, yeah. that was the essence of that first argument, and then it it connects in here. Then, if he's all loving, then he prefers a world without suffering. Well, that's not true either, because and even Jordan Peterson talks about this. If you guys follow him at all, he's pretty popular right now. But he talks about like the you know it's it's kind of a, a distinctly American perspective to say suffering is bad. And suffering is the worst thing that can happen to you, and because philosophers and human beings for the rest of the world world history, that's never that's never been their point. They they've all argued that that suffering is going to happen. It's it's just a matter of when. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. So if your goal in life is to avoid suffering, then you're you're kind of missing the point. And even Jordan Peterson, I don't even, I don't believe he's a Christian, but his his answer to that is the goal then is to live live a life that makes the suffering worth it the goal isn't to stop living or to try to even try to avoid suffering altogether it's to live a life that makes suffering worth it which i think is really an interesting way to argue because then that speaks to another thing and which is purpose you know which is i think another thing that people want in this world is purpose and meaning you know what 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 why am i here uh, all this suffering is, because g- it's almost like inherent in the question, why am I here? Or uh, Inherent in the question, why is there all this suffering, is this idea that we're here to not suffer, like that we're on the earth to not suffer. That's the point of our existence. And um, again, I think that's kind of a very American way to look at it, because m- most human beings in history have suffered. And I don't think that they would even think about it that way. They, w- they would approach it differently. Question number six, I think is interesting. And I want to know what you guys would, because I think thinking this through is helpful if you're going to try to talk with someone about this. The question is, how is God working to counteract evil and suffering in the world? So it's kind of like the other side of the question.
1: How would you answer that?
3: I think I might use examples, and, I, and they're not jumping into my head right now, but um, the power of prayer and seeing where, you know people have come together and, and prayed, you know, prayed, prayed the pain off a wall to mm. a phrase I've heard recently about you know, somebody with a sickness or, or whatever, and to see somebody with Stage Four cancer, for instance, you know, be healed. And I think, I think God responds to prayer. Sometimes he doesn't. I had a friend in the neighborhood here who, whose wife died. And, and I mean, she got, she had melanoma, but it was all inside of her. And from the time they discovered it to the time she died was like three months very quick. Wow. And I was praying fervently every day. In fact, I would even walk by their house at night and be praying over the house, Hmm. um, you know, almost every single night until she died. And, mm. and that I'll be honest, it took the wind out of my sails a little bit when she died. Cause I had had some successes praying and mm. not that I'm you know solely responsible for stuff like that, but I was just convinced that so many people were praying for her and then she died. So, but there's other examples where, you know, I, I think I, I, you know, it does turn, turn a situation around and and you see, you see a miracle happen. So that may be one way God's counteracting it. I don't know.
0: Yeah, that's a good answer. Did did the did, did they know that you were walking by praying every night?
3: No. No, I I've, I've yet to tell them.
0: No. I'll tell you one thing, if if I knew that, <clears throat> that might impact me more than anything.
3: Really. Mm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, to to know that you were that committed to the to my wife's situation
3: yeah yeah i'm kind of you know he he's a he's a believer but he's a real hard-shelled kind of man he's from you know he's from colorado real mountain man hmm. um i'm kind of you know trying to uh get to know him a little bit better and, and work on him some you know but yeah maybe i maybe i should share that with him i don't know
1: Um, Brian another way I think that
2: God is working to you know it, it's hard to maybe use this argument with non-believers who, who don't want to say it they'll just say this is people being good but I mean overtly Christian nations America's not so much that way now but mm-hmm. you look at Britain or you look at um, the United States during World War II and like what we did to stop all of that suffering and tyranny that was going on like i i do think that is god like using particular nations to rise up and, and sort of squelch out other nations um or people who are causing crazy amounts of suffering or just what america does across the globe
5: hmm
2: you know i don't know if we can still call ourselves a christian nation but even 20 years ago we could and i think a lot of that is is because we were mostly christian
1: you know?
0: Yeah, as military guys, would you say is, is that a thing for you guys, as military guys who are believers, when you know that you're fighting an evil regime? I know you're not doing it in the name of Jesus, but is that part of your like do you view that as part of God as God using you to try to to try to make make things right in the world, or is it about getting a paycheck or flying the flying a cool jet.
3: That's kind of a funny question, but I I think, again, not to make it like the crusades or anything, you know, but I think, uh, I I felt that way a little bit. Hmm. Um, I'll give you another, another example. Um, I was just in, uh, flying in, I know some of these guys have flown over Syria as well, but we were just, actually, this was in Iraq. As a matter of fact, just back in, uh, I think it was January and we were tracking three bad guys. You know, we had drones following them and, uh, they, uh, we, we tried to drop a bomb on them and the bomb hit a, hit a, it was a very mountainous area. It clipped a ridge top, So it just missed them, you know, and now of course they know, Someone's trying to kill him because a bomb just goes off right near them. So they start running. And uh, it was a drone that was actually putting the laser spot down on them. And I came in from another angle and dropped uh, a GBU-54, which is a, a laser-guided and GPS-guided bomb. But uh, So about 10 seconds before impact, the three people just scattered. And the drone operator just picked one. And, mm-hmm. he and he continued lays and he, you know, the bomb hit the one guy. And it uh, turns out, you know, through intel and everything else, this guy was the, the, this big, like Waleed, you know, this ISIS leader in the region. <laughs> and wow. the other two were kind of lower level, you know, you know, whatever henchmen, minions. So hmm. I, I, I wonder, okay, you know, did, I don't believe in luck personally. I think... I don't know. I don't know if God had something to do with that, but you know, the the, the drone operator could have could have lased the other two, but mm-hmm. but she picked the one guy that was the top guy and 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 we got him. So I don't know. Maybe that was God.
0: Can I just say that might have been the coolest small group moment I've ever been a part of, right there? <laughs> <laughs> That's probably normal for you guys, but that was cool to hear. That was I don't know if I'm going to share anymore that I, I can't. <laughs> talk that.
2: So Brian, I know like, so when people thank me for my service, you know, I'm out in uniform in public or whatever, I'm all, I'm assuming these guys kind of feel this way. Like, you know, I say thank you for saying so. I really appreciate that. But inwardly I'm always a little bit sort of embarrassed and maybe there's some, you know, whatever to that. But, like, the reason I enjoy what I do, like, there's an elite nature of it. There's flying the jet, what you just described. There's protecting the dude on the ground who mm. is an American getting shot. There's, there's one reason for that. But then, like, the third reason is that I actually think that what we're doing is, you know, worthwhile. And there have been some times for me, like, where combat has gotten fairly tough because we're just wasting our time. Mm. And I think all of the other guys guys who've been to combat, like half of it is just sitting around and wasting millions of dollars a day waiting for these couple precise moments where you're highly effective in doing what you're supposed to Mm -hmm. be
5: doing. But
2: I mean, I I do feel like I've been an instrument at times, but then at at other times, like I've totally lost the faith in what we're doing because it has not seemed like we've had a great like objective or whatever. So yeah, I, I don't, I don't know that I personally can say like, it it matters I have to have that like background faith otherwise I personally just start to like hate what I'm doing you
1: know Mm. do you think that that would be a
0: you know we talk about you know bricks laying bricks of for faith do you think that that would be potentially a brick for some of some of the guys in your squadron who maybe aren't followers of Jesus but if they were to really think about evil the evil that that they're fighting in the world and that they're on the side of of right would would that be something that could potentially nudge them to pursue who who who's behind the right i don't mean that politically so
2: I I tried to use this argument with a guy Mm. in combat and what it came down to is he couldn't accept that God was the driving factor behind the right because he also couldn't accept that he thought or he also couldn't accept that people are inherently bad Mm. and have fallen short of the grace of God which is ironic when you're flying Mm. over Syria and seeing the things that is going on and people being burned in cages and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But he still wanted to believe in the inherent goodness of man, if you will. Wow. So for him, the right that he was getting was America's right. It was not God's right.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see that, that someone might not understand the link, the linkage between America's right and, and God's I'm not, I don't, I'm not a firm believer that our nation is a Christian nation per se, but I think it's a godly nation. And, um, you know, I don't, you know, I don't think Jefferson was a Christian and Washington, I'm not sure that he really, like, if we met those guys, I think we would try to share the gospel with those guys, you know. Um, And I I would, would have loved to have shared the gospel with those guys. But I do believe that it's founded on godly principles, you know. I would even say biblical principles. I'm just, you know, with last week's conversation in mind, I'm not, I'm not positive that they've really ever had their de- defining moment. All the biographies I've read, I'm not sure that they have. Maybe that's for another conversation. Last question. What do you think is the ultimate destiny of evil and suffering?
1: Let's test your theology here. Do you mean, do you mean like, how does it end? Yeah, I think that's what the question, that's how I take it.
3: I mean, I think think we know how it ends. It's, it's going to get really bad before it gets better, but eventually (laughs) God wins, right?